Hey, this is Josh. Thanks for tuning into the show, Healers on Healing. I wanted to make this show because we can get caught in the trappings of life. Responsibilities, bills to pay, kids to feed, just all these things that take our attention. And to me, healing and being our healthiest self gets neglected. I thought it'd be interesting to ask my colleagues and other professionals what the heck this thing, health and healing, is. I hope these conversations inspire you, demystify the process, maybe reinforce what you already know, and give you new ideas on how to be the healthiest you. episode, my guest Carly Adams talks about organizing physical spaces. Carly is the owner of Tidy Revival in Sacramento, California. Tune in as Carly talks about the barriers, the emotions, and the process of organizing one's home or office or physical space. And listen as I come to realize she's the therapist for the external. Hi everyone, Josh here. As always, thank you so much for listening to this show. And before we get to this great episode with Carly, I wanted to let you know about a new podcast of mine that I'm starting called Enjoyment. Enjoyment is another interview-based show focused on where and how we experience joy in our lives today. The first season will focus on talking to men about the joys of fatherhood. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. So my name is Carly Adams, and I'm a professional organizer. I'm based in Sacramento, California. Um, I usually introduce myself as starting with my why, and that is to help women and families live a more peaceful life through owning less and implementing simple systems in their homes and businesses. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it, and it's great to talk to you. In listening to the show in like past episodes, it's been really great to hear all these different aspects of healing. So I'm really excited to be part of this. And I just wanted to say that first. So the way that I work and the areas of focus that are most important to me might be different from other organizers. When people think of it, I think a lot of times they think of beautification, hashtag pantry porn, like just gorgeous spaces and beautiful containers. And sometimes that's part of it. But what I found is that a huge part of it and what a lot of clients turn to me for is kind of coaching them through the decluttering process. There's different, you know, clutter pockets everywhere. It's hard for them to really see through it. It's stressing them out. There's too much going on. They're really busy. And we take the spaces that they are in the most that are the most important to them. And those are usually the places that we start. It's a process of identifying what they love, want, use, and need. And by identifying what fits in that realm, the rest we're able to rehome, trash, recycle, donate. And through that process, the solutions for organization usually kind of present themselves a little bit easier. We're categorizing, we're putting things away. 
or making sure that things have homes. Because a lot of times people I found, you know, have a lot of things in their home that they need, they use, they want, but they don't really have a place where it belongs. So it just kind of gets set down somewhere. And then that multiplied by 250 creates a lot of chaos. So in a nutshell, that's what I do. That's why I work with clients. And it's just really to kind of help them regain control over their spaces and give them peace through simple solutions. Awesome. As you were talking, I was reflecting on something that I'll share in a moment, but I'm excited too to interview you because I think other healers, particularly therapists that I've interviewed, I very much understand the arts. But for you, an organization, I feel like this is something that is not in my purview. So it's exciting for me to get to know a different art form, so to speak, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. ask you. And so as you were talking, you know, I share that because as you were talking, I was like, oh, you're doing externally what I think I'm doing internally. And so mm-hmm. what I mean is like inside we have all these thoughts, they're swarming around, we're not, you know, and it's like making sense of them, getting a sense of what the person wants out of life, needs okay, which thoughts are serving them, which thoughts aren't serving them, which emotions Mm -hmm. are serving them. There's 250 things forming around. So like nothing has its place. So yeah, as you were talking, it was funny. I was like, oh, you're like an external therapist (laughs) in a crude crude way. Um, I love it. Yeah. What do you find happens to, to maybe all of us, right? Externally. There's 250 things, so things that I really do care about get buried. Well, I listened to this podcast, Disorganized Life with Lori Palau, and I really like it. Shameless plug for someone else right here. She (laughs) went through these different clutter pitfalls. She had a whole series recently that was like your five clutter pitfalls. And I thought it was really interesting because she talked about these different reasons why people tend to get disorganized or find themselves in chaos. And I've found that in working with the, with different clients, I've kind of found the same thing. One might be a big change in your life. Maybe you are a new parent and with new parenthood comes all of the things for children. And then it's kind of, you know, chaotic. Your schedule is not, you're really, really, really tired at the end of the day. It's hard to make the time to find new homes for all of these new items and also find time for yourself. So that could be one example, or maybe there has been a death in the family and it's been really hard for someone to go through the things that belong to the person who's passed. And it's just kind of easier to put it off than deal with those emotions. That happens a lot. I find, especially when we're going through keepsakes, so this happens a lot in garages, and also master bedrooms, if we're going through closets, there tends to be boxes and boxes of memories that are bringing up past, maybe like an abusive situation that you really didn't want to get into, a past relationship that was just ended badly and was a kind of a bad experience in your life that you, you know, you pack it in a box, you put it away. There's just a lot of different reasons, but it all kind of culminates in the same result, and that is external clutter. I believe in two human instincts. One is we turn towards things, and one is we turn away from things. Um, And here we're talking about 
at least your examples made me fall into that second story of the human instinct to turn away from things. Let me just put things mm-hmm. in a box, put them in the closet, never look at them. How do you support people to then turn towards them? What helps someone take that box out of the closet? I think that the actual facilitation is different for a lot of people. Most people come to me because they're just, I'm, and I'm assuming it's the same for you, they're, they come to us because they're just kind of ready for change and ready to process these things that have been kind of nagging them for a while and just really, it's not where they want to be. They want to move on. They want to move forward. They want clarity. They want more space. They want a clean, like an environment that feels clean and uncluttered and freeing and open and peaceful. And so to do that, I said on another podcast recently, are you allowed to curse on this podcast? Yeah, yeah, you totally curse. Okay. <laughs> like a friend and I were talking about it and then I said it on this podcast, but the thing is like you're going through their shit when you're going through their shit. It's just you're digging into it. The way that I help my clients process this is by knowing when to push, knowing when to back off, knowing when to give them some space, sometimes offering an open arm for a hug, letting them cry, handing them a tissue, offering them, you know, like, hey, why don't you take a five minute break, go get some water, give, you know, give them like some alone space if they need it. Really the knowing when to to back off, go a little bit slower, that's going to be key. Because if somebody is going through something that's mentally difficult for them, the last thing they need is cheerleader that's like you got this let's do it let's go faster it's like oh my gosh no and people will sure this happens with you too people will shut down at a certain point if you're pushing too hard because it's you know that's like our inclination and so it's really important for me to sense when that's going to be too much for my clients and just give them that space it sounds to me like an organizer like yourself is really helping with like pace and self-care while we do an emotional process that is tied to external spaces. Yes, absolutely. And it's interesting. The last podcast I was on was also um, was with my coach who's a self-care coach. (laughs) So as you can tell, I've been learning a lot from her. And just really applying these principles to my own life because I personally have a tendency to push, 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 work, work, work. That's how I was raised. And kind of the story that I always told myself was like, I'm a hard worker and I keep going and that's what I do. But I realized that especially in this work, that doesn't work at all. Because if I'm not taking time for myself to rest and reflect and have my own space, really it just leads to burnout pretty quickly and my clients are the same way so I'm trying to give myself a little more grace and breathing room give my clients some more grace and breathing room don't I don't want to go at a slow pace I don't want my clients to feel like they're not getting like their money's worth but I also want my clients to know that I really am here for them and my number one priority is for them to feel comfortable because they've let me in to their home to these private spaces that other people are not privy to with that responsibility comes 
you know, me just needing to respect that and to hold that space for them. I flash to funerals, right? We have a ritual to help facilitate saying goodbye to a person. Uh huh. And I, while you were talking, I was like, oh, you're kind of like doing grieving, ritualized funerals for stuff. I never thought about that. I kind of like it. No, it kind of immediately made me think of uh, Marie Kondo's book, actually, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, which by now is wildly popular. But there's this part in her book that I read it before I was an organizer. And when we were downsizing before we moved to Sacramento, and we took a travel sabbatical between when we were in the Bay Area and Sacramento. And so we really needed to pare down because we were sticking everything in storage. During this process, I'd read her book and she had this part where um, she says that when she's like getting rid of things that are especially difficult, she takes items in her hand and thanks them for their time and for like what they brought to their life and just kind of wishes them well in their next chapter before letting them go. And the first time I read it, I was just kind of rolling my eyes like, okay, sounds great. But then I actually took it to heart and tried it and it was really helpful in getting rid of a few things that were really difficult for me like a jean jacket that I wore all through high school and most of college that I never wore after that or like an old bridesmaid's dress for a good friend's wedding and things of that nature that were just really emotionally impactful but definitely weren't things that I needed to hold on to any longer made me re-examine the whole saying goodbye process, it's easier for someone else to come in and say like, well, if you don't need this anymore. But if you don't have the sensitivity and kind of think about where that person is coming from and offer suggestions or maybe a different, like slightly different way of thinking, then me just saying get rid of it isn't helpful. It's just kind of rude and (laughs) not really welcome. Do people generally have a, I'm pausing because I'm about to use a word that I don't love that I'm about to use, like a correct assessment of what they need to declutter, or they invite you in and they're like, look, it's my work desk. And then as you start getting into the process, really it's the basement. (laughs) Again, this question is probably coming from my therapy background. Like most people come in and they're like, oh, I'm feeling sad so help me not feel sad and then but lo and behold they're feeling sad because usually of the whole history of things that have happened in their past and so we have to kind of like look at a bunch of different things than they thought we were going to be looking at is that true Uh in the organizational side of things I think that's that's a really great question I've never been asked that before what's probably really different about our jobs is the end of the day if a client is just like no, not going to go there. And then I just like, you know, we're not going there. So a client, for instance, could, we could work through their whole house. We could work in their kitchen. We could work in their living room and their, their bedroom and their master bedroom and their garage. But there might be maybe in the office, they've just got piles of paperwork and they're like, look, I know that I need you but also like, it's never going to happen. Like we're never going to work in that space together. And I just need to say, okay, and respect that and just be okay with it. If they're not ready, then that's it. But 
So part of my work is kind of like what you're doing, working through it emotionally. And the other half is kind of like what a personal trainer does and helps my clients flex these muscles that they're not used to flexing. Maybe in the beginning, even though there are areas that they're not really ready to work through, we'll start in a less emotional area that's going to be a lot easier. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I have clients that we never work through anything emotional. We've gone through some just very straightforward spaces and the work with them is done. And maybe we'll circle back in a year in another not emotional space. And that's okay too. But some clients, we end up doing a lot of work together, but we do start in the less emotional spaces. And for many people, that's going to be like a medicine cabinet, because if it's expired, you're usually ready to let it move on. Cleaning products, pantries for most people are really unemotional. Maybe like a, your bathroom and like beauty care could be a good place to start. Linen closets are great. Those are great places to really flex your muscles because if you are listening to this and you're thinking like, I really want to get organized. I have clutter everywhere. It's really driving me crazy. I don't know where to start, but I don't want someone else helping me. I just want to do this by myself. That would be my greatest piece of advice is to just start in an area that feels unemotional, very easy, a little more black and white. Start with 20 minutes in that space. And just like working out, you know, you'll flex that muscle, you'll build it up, you'll get stronger, and then you can kind of move into those areas that are going to be emotionally more difficult for you. And by the way, that's very similar to therapy because very rarely on the first session are we talking about the worst things that happened to you as a child. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about your Quite worst a... childhood. Memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not so sure I would have a, a business if I started right to the deaths right away. Um, <laughs> That's fair. What surprises you about this work? I think, honestly, the biggest surprise has been how emotional it is. I think even when I got into it, I was coming from a place of finding joy through more simplicity in my life, finding joy through implementing systems. If you go on my website, and I'll give the address later, I kind of have a, a blurb of like why I got started. And my journey started with a financial journey. That was right around the time that we met. And I was fresh out of college, deep in student debt. I had a credit card debt and I just like had no grasp of my finances or like where to start. It felt very overwhelming and daunting. And I had a lot of stress around that. Learning more about that process and ways to help myself and then implementing these systems and getting things organized, keyword insert here, I felt so much more peace. And then that started snowballing in all of these other aspects in my life too. Like, huh, okay, well, that was really scary, but then I tackled it and now I feel more organized. It's working out well, so what else can we do? And then just kind of like started working through all these different physical spaces too and loved it. So that's what really drew me to the whole thing, but I, I wasn't fully like 100% really realizing how emotions would be deeply tied to this, especially if you're the type of organizer who's helping people declutter, which is like my passion, because I think that we can work all day in people's spaces and put things in beautiful bins and create more storage solutions. But 
unless we're going to address just the quantity of things that we have in our homes. The average American home now has so much more than we used to, and things are so beautiful, trinkets, fast fashion, things are so easily accessible now that we've just accumulated so much. And unless we really address like the quantities that we have and how much we not only need, but like even want and get rid of the things that we just frankly don't care about anymore, aren't going to use, don't serve us at all. Unless we kind of break that cycle a little bit or make those changes, then all the beautiful bins in the world and like walls of shelving aren't going to get to the root of what's really going on. And that's accumulation. Hearing your personal story made me want to ask, you said you're finding joy and simplicity in, in organization. What joy does form from decluttering our lives, from not a, breaking the habits of just more and more and more like American society particularly urges us to do. I'm going to send you a link for your show notes on this study that was done a while back about clutter and it causing stress and cortisol levels. Anytime you read an article lately about organization, if they use the words like studies have shown that stress is linked to clutter, this is usually the study that they're, that they're referencing, but it's actually really fascinating. Knowing that that studies have shown that cortisol levels rise when you have more clutter in your physical environment. I personally have found that when my spaces are clutter-free, when I know where to find things, that's huge. When I'm not spending a lot of hours looking for things because they are in the abyss, when I'm not missing bills because they got lost in the mail, when I don't have a place that I can eat with my family because the kitchen table is covered. Taking all of those stresses away and having the simplicity of being able to move about my day, knowing where things are, having time back is huge. It's just one example, but this was really like a game changer for me. Huge fan of like capsule wardrobe or even a seasonal wardrobe, just a reduced amount of items that you have hanging at any one time and that you have access to. So when we went traveling, my biggest concern during that time was I am going to be so bored with my clothing options. Like I won't have enough to wear. This is insane. How can I go anywhere for a month with a backpack? This is nuts. I'm going to be like, this is going to be the hardest part. It's going to be terrible. All my pictures are going to look the same. <laughs> that was my biggest concern. And what I found was that it was super freeing because everything that I had with me, I loved. I was really, really intentional with what I brought. Everything that I was wearing, I was happy with because, again, I loved it. And it didn't feel like a sacrifice. And, yeah, a lot of my, like, pictures had the same buffalo plaid shirt in it. but. To be honest, it's two years later and I still love that shirt. So you're going to see it in a lot of my photos. When I got home and we had more space and now we have a house in fact, I still change out. I was doing a capsule wardrobe for like a year, even after I came back. And now I don't worry about like how many items I have so much, but I do change it out seasonally. So the things that are hanging in my closet, the things that are in my drawers, those are 
items that I wear regularly and rotate through them quickly. I'm getting kind of excited for the weather to change because then I can swap it out for fall. But what has really been helpful is that in the morning, I'm getting that time back. Like I'm not standing in front of the closet being like, oh my gosh, I have nothing to wear. I hate all of this. Instead, I'm like shirts, pants, shoes, belt, go. And they're all items that I love. So just getting that dress time out of my life and getting the time back, like it's been everything. And I was like, okay, once that kind of clicked, I'm like, what else can we simplify around here? What time can I get back? What can I make easier? Totally. And a lot of examples were running through my head, thinking about that statement, like once people have $80,000, your happiness doesn't increase $80,000. And what I was imagining is like, we want choice in our life. But when we start to have too much choice, you're not happy if you have no choice, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a line of choice where happiness is increased. And then anything we go past that choice can become paralysis. Uh I was thinking of like that. I was thinking of the joy and freedom of once you learn how to ride a bike and you don't have to think about it anymore. Freedom of this. It's like, oh, I just know where my keys are. I'm not, you know, oh, I just know Uh where this is. I know. Now it's like the muscle memory takes over and that's enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And then I was also just thinking of like, I'm probably just using more examples from my own life that I can relate to your story. But like when I go camping and suddenly I'm going to be stinky, like I'm not worried anymore about cleanliness in a way. My goals are like eating, hiking to the next campground and like community. (laughs) And and it's Mm -hmm. like the, the day just has, much less to focus on and that's why like camping is so freeing and so enjoyable and so energizing and I hear you kind of just bringing that into daily life. I had a boss once that I didn't even notice this. I was his direct report. He always wears a blue shirt. Never noticed it. And then I asked him and he's like, yeah, it's like work wardrobe. Like he doesn't have time to care about thinking about these other micro decisions when you have high level decisions to make every day. So the more like teeny tiny little micro decisions we can eliminate from our lives on a daily basis, the more energy and just mental, we've like mentally conserved it for more high level issues going on. It's so important, but it's something that I, I'm just really fascinated by. I don't know, I read an article once of somebody who took a work wardrobe to like the next level and she basically bought like nine of the same shirt nine of the same pants and then like had this like kind of a bolo tie or some sort of necklace situation she wore that every day for a year and she said maybe like three people noticed we we definitely believe the world is seeing things that really i was thinking that with your photos like i was thinking i would probably look at all your photos and not want to catch that you were in the same outfit in all of them Uh (laughs) here you are urging people towards right what i think is is a beautiful way of living and yet we do live in a culture community american society that really seems to urge the opposite we talk about the number of stuff in any given category like what's right for me is going to be different than someone else like I have some clients where you know maybe we'll simplify in their kitchen all day but 
when it comes to their wardrobe, they're really into fashion. It's very important to them. Pared down wardrobe is something that gives them a lot of anxiety and they're like, no, like that's not my value set. And that's fine. Like what's right for me is going to be different than what's right for every client. So I definitely urge my clients to just realize that number for themselves. If you are really into beauty, I use this as an example because it came up recently. Someone was like, how many makeup brushes is too many makeup brushes? I'm like, for you, I think what you got there is probably pretty good. And it was like 25, but they use them all. And they're really into like the intricacies of makeup application and how this does this and this does this. Again, like the perfect number for them is going to be different for me. And I think that at the end of the day, that is really amazing to hone into. Because once you realize that you need to do what's best for you and to tune out what the rest of the world is telling you that you should be doing, it makes your life so much more easy and freeing because you're also training your brain to give less Fs about what other people think and to just not worry. And you find that it trickles down into different areas in your life. I get an email saying like, hey, there's a sale. There's a sale going on right now. Don't you want to go to the sale that I can say, no, that's okay. I'm fine. I have shirts. I'm good. It's really about like honing in on what's right for you, what's right for your lifestyle, not worrying about what other people say should be that number, should be the thing that you're attaining for. Yeah, it takes practice and you are going to find that in some areas of my life, I might seem like an uber minimalist. And in other areas, it's like, whoa, lady, you got a lot of, I don't know, whatever it is. Right now it's boxes in my spare bedroom because I have all these client projects coming up. <laughs> anyway, I posted on stories last night. I was like, uh, like I feel I'm feeling a little bit stressed in my own physical space. I'm turning around right now. It's just... It's just like the room is, has so many boxes. Really appreciate that. Think about that notion of like keeping up with the Joneses and how much our lives can get lost in trying to be the Joneses instead mm-hmm. of just be me. And okay, well, you know, obviously I'm looking, I'm talking to you while I'm in my home. So of course I'm like looking around now as we're talking, I'm like, Oh, okay. Do I really need that? <laughs> you know what? You're, you're inspiring me. Um, but I have like a massive record collection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, but exactly, exactly. Like, it's such a good question. Like, what really is needed in my life? What really is mm-hmm. useful? And like I was just saying, that I have this massive record collection. Of course, I don't listen to. I can't listen to every record. And some records sit for years before I listen to them. But there is something about that collection that I feel speaks to my identity and something I really enjoy. I enjoy going to record stores and trying to find bargains. And so it's it's area that could be seen as clutter, but it's really tied to my enjoyment and my identity. So it's not something cleared away. Um, And I I really appreciate that notion of this isn't about like minimalism for minimalism's sake. It's really tuning into who you are and making your home and spaces reflect what truly is an expression of of who you are. Yeah, exactly. 
yeah, in doing this work, it's just really so interesting to see when you're in people's homes, it's clear like where their values are and what brings them joy. And yeah, like for you with the record collection, with some of my friends or, you know, clients, it's like houseplants or maybe it's books, you know, whatever the case may be, like honing in on what is really, really important to you and doubling down on that. Because when you are clearing your mind and your home of things that don't matter, then you have so much more space and time and open-hearted availability for the things that do. Rounding back to something we talked about earlier, but now I sort of see it in a new light. I imagine too, it's helping people also let go of who they used to be. And that, that to me also seems like such a powerful, a really hard process. Again, we talked about like the emotions and all that. The emotions are because things represent who we used to be, but it's so healthy, I think, to thank them and then let them go because you're just not that person anymore. You know, we, we change. Yeah. So we, we are so many different people throughout our whole lives. And it mm-hmm. seems probably good to honor the person that's here now and really align my environment to the person who's here now, not to the person that was here 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Or mm-hmm. I completely agree. I went through and decluttered. Someone kind of got mad at me. They're like, how could you do that? But I went through and decluttered all of this, like, poetry that I'd written when I was, like, this was, like, 20 years ago when I was in high school. I was mortified of reading this. I'm like, A, I don't want anyone else to see this. This is just truly god-awful. And B, it just really spoke to you know, where you're at and like the heartache that you feel at that age and the deep, deep emotions for everything and like the scorn that you feel towards everyone for no reason at all. And it was just very angsty. I did not want to share that with the world. I didn't want anyone looking through it after I passed. I was like, this has got to go. And I just shredded it all. But yeah, I'm not that girl anymore. And that's really fine with me. And I'm ready to just say like, hey, you know what? You did you, baby girl. And I'm very proud of you for feeling so free in that moment that you could write these notebooks and notebooks and notebooks full of poetry. I honored her and I just moved on. And it felt very nice. I have no regrets. (laughs) God bless you, 14-year-old Carly. (laughs) May you live well in, in the ether. Um, so much emotion (laughs) (laughs) you know I'm feeling us round the bend and I'm curious in a way of sort of asking you an open-ended question of like is are there things I didn't ask you about either personally professionally about this topic that you want to add to our discussion um I think that I guess I would just want to add that if you're listening at home And if any of this strikes a chord with you, I think that we are so fortunate to be in an age where there are just so many resources on the topic. If you want inspiration, shameless plug for myself, I have a weekly newsletter that I send out to help keep people inspired on the topic. Also, Pinterest is a really great place to start 
because you can look up just so many blogs and be inspired and read what other people are doing and what's worked for them. You can make your own little mood board about what your goals are. And I think that filling your extracurricular time with content that aligns with your goals is just so important to help you get to where you want to go. If you're looking to declutter your home, if you're listening to podcasts on the subject, if you are, you know, looking at Pinterest and reading about these different topics, it's so much more helpful, even if you haven't started yet, than if you're just consuming reality TV and novels that don't have to do with any of the topics that align with your goals. I just think it's really, really important to to start there and get that content coming in that helps you get to where you want to go. That said, if I if I said I didn't watch any reality TV, that would be a lie. So I just want to <laughs> throw that out there too. It's all about balance. You you've plugged a lot of things on this podcast. You want to plug a reality television show? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no. I think we'll leave that there. Well, you are fantastic. So I'm going to tell people that they should definitely contact you. So, you know, plug away where where they find you and your newsletter. Give the people your info. Yeah. Thank you, Josh. So my website is www.tidyrevival.com. That is the name of my company. And I'm on Instagram at Tidy Revival, Facebook at Tidy Revival. And we just started on Pinterest too. If you do go to the Pinterest page and you think to yourself, oh my gosh, I was hoping to see X, Y, Z, shoot me a line, let me know because we're adding more content to that all the time. And that's just really more of a resource. And then I make secret boards with clients too to help them plan out what they wanna do. But yeah, on my website, you can sign up for my newsletter. Um, There'll be a pop-up there. And then that goes out every Thursday. I love this and thank you for well, one, inspiring me. I'm definitely looking around my house very differently. Oh, and so two, yeah, I'm sort of laughing because I totally feel like, oh, you're a therapist externally. <laughs> you, you just, you're doing it in spaces. That makes uh, me really happy. So thank you. Yeah, I love the different arts of being healthy and our best selves. And it's been really fun yeah. to talk to you because you're an art form that I just really had. I, I'm a, a newbie too so it's been just delightful to to hear about it oh thank you so much for having me josh it's always great to talk to you and yeah i'm a big fan of the podcast so i'm happy to be on it thank you thank you carly adams for sharing your wisdom with us and a shout out to my best bud justin reed for the music you hear in each episode if you want to reach out to either of these individuals there are links in the show notes so check those out and of course thank you to you the listener for joining us If you're digging these conversations, please help us spread the word by telling people directly or through social media about this podcast. Tune in again for another great episode.